Lior will be answering all of your questions. If you haven't checked out severancepaycalculator.com, we'll talk about that tool just a bit. And uh, we always start with the show with the week that was, pal. What's happening? That's right, John. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be back here. We want to inform and educate as we always do. We do take this seriously because people need to know and understand their rights. And when you don't understand your rights, when you uh, are confused, when you believe half-truth, that's when problems arise. That's when your life at work could become miserable. You can walk away from entitlements. So stay tuned with us for the next hour. Call us with your questions about your workplace situation. I promise you there's answers, there's help. So let, let's get us started. Let, let mm-hmm. me talk about two situations, John, that I dealt with in the previous week. The first uh, situation I'll tell you about involved a very nice gentleman that uh, called me very upset. He had worked for a company for uh, 11 years. The first 10 years, he had, uh, had been a laborer. He, he would be um, uh, stocking shelves, unloading trucks, etc., in, in, the, in the factory that he worked in. And was, was fine with it. You know, everything was okay. Well, after uh, about 10 years of doing that, so about a year ago, the company says, and we have, it says to him, we have a promotion for you. We want to promote you to a machine operator position. It pays better, and, and we think you'd be fine for it. So he was happy about it. You know, he gets to make more money. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And he started doing the position. Well, he was provided with very little training, almost no training, in fact. And after a while, the company started complaining about his performance. They started giving him uh, warnings. Uh, they even put him on a performance improvement plan, saying, you have to do better. You have to make less mistakes. Well, what he did is, quite reasonably, he asked for help. He said, well, okay, I understand I need to do better. I'm not that good with this machine, but help me out. Give me training. Have someone uh, guide me through it a bit, and, and I can do it eventually. None of that happened, except they, they kept piling up warning after warning. And finally, uh, just very recently, they let him go for cause. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they said, well, we put you on a performance improvement plan. We gave you all these warnings, so yeah, we can let you go for cause. What else do you want from us? That's when he called me very upset. He said, you know, after 11 years, do I get nothing? So what I told him, John, is I said, well, no, you, you don't get nothing. It's not cause. They can't just throw you into a new position and tell you sink or swim, not give you any help, any assistance, and when you ask for it, refuse to give it to you, only to then let you go for cause. It's one thing if they've done everything they could on their end and you just refuse to improve, you refuse to listen, that could be cause. But not that situation, not when they're not holding up their end of the bargain. So the performance improvement plan did not change the analysis. The warnings did not change the analysis. The employer also, John, has a responsibility to help the employee get to the level that the employer wants the employee to be in. Uh, before they can conceive letting him go for cause. In this case, they did not do that. And remember, John, it's always, always difficult to terminate for cause. So this guy really was wrongfully dismissed. Yeah, the performance improvement plan. Two things missing, the improvement and the plan, guys. Like, what is that? Yeah, none of that was there. (laughs) Right. What else you got? So the second situation, John, uh, very different. Uh, again, another very nice gentleman worked for a company for 35 years and was decided to to resign. You know, he's, he's worked. He he was able to resign and told the company, "I'm resigning." He gave him you know ample notice a few months. Well, as the date got closer, the company said, "Well, we want you to stay. We really, really love you. Please, please stay. Please stay. Well, you know, work with us. Stay." They convinced him. Okay, I'll stay. That's when the company says, great, we want you to stay, you'll stay, thank you for agreeing, but we want to put you on as an independent contractor moving forward. Uh, so instead of being an employer, being an independent contractor, nothing else changes, your pay, your job, 
He doesn't know any better. He agrees. He does that. He continues working for another year. After a year, the company comes to him and says, now we want to let you go. So because you're an independent contractor, farewell, so long, we'll see you later. Mm -hmm. He contacts me then, and what I tell him is this. The fact that you were working as an employee all this time, and now all of a sudden you're an independent contractor, doesn't change the legal status of your relationship. You were still an employee for that last year. So because you were doing the same job, same pay, same uh, office, etc., now you're a 36-year employee. So now they owe you two years severance. It doesn't work to just change the title that way. And so remember, John, if, if your employer changes your title, title from an employee to contractor, that doesn't really make you a contractor. You're still yeah. likely, in the eyes of the law, an employee. Kathy, opening call. Uh, good evening. How are you, Kathy? Good. Thank right. you. Sure. What's your concern? Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I can't hear you. How about you? you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, What's your question? I I um, work with uh, uh, men, all men. Mm-hmm. I work for a construction company. I just uh, was hired on a couple weeks ago, and I'm really having a difficult time with one of the employees there. I, I constantly uh, I ask questions, and I get a, a a little gruff back or this and that, and um, I want to know what my options are. I don't want to be the the, you know, I don't want to cause waves. I don't want to uh, be the whiner because of being in the environment that I'm in. So I, I just want to know what my options are, and if, if you know, if, if if I cause waves, if I'm let go, that mm-hmm. that's not legal as well. Or that's right, Kathy. So good question. The the reality is to deal with this matter, you, you do need to cause some waves. There's no way to deal with that and, and be silent. And but I I wouldn't feel bad about it. You have a right to be treated with respect in the workplace. You have a right to be treated equally. You, you don't have to be put down because they're guys and you're not. So I think what you need to do is you need right away to go speak to an HR person, hopefully, otherwise a, a business owner, someone in a senior position, and tell them exactly what happened. Now, a, a good employer uh, is going to do something about that because they're legally required to. Otherwise, potentially, they have liability under our human rights legislation. So you should speak to them about it. You should tell them exactly what's been happening and put the ball in their court. Oftentimes, it's as simple as them uh, speaking with some other people, and they may not even have to tell them that you're the one that complained. Simply say, you know, we want to make sure that you all know of the conducts of behavior that are expected in the workplace. That could be good enough. Now, if you can't do that because there's no one to speak to, or if you've done that and nothing happens, you need to start documenting what actually happens. You know, write it down in a journal or something or, or uh, electronically, and then contact me. At that point, we may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal and, and get you out of there if things get worse with severance. For now, I would go speak to them as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kathy. We appreciate that. And uh, just in case, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is Lior's number. We're coming right back. Talk Radio, AM six forty. We uh, also have the Wednesday evening show at seven o'clock, same time with the employment hour twice during your your work week. Got uh, got Andrew here uh, calling in. Hey, Andrew, how are you, pal? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, excellent. What's your concern? Um, so I work for a travel company, and uh, a lot of the time they require us to go on site to run our specific program. And uh, for example, last. June and July, I spent three and a half weeks in Cuba working roughly 24 hours a day, or sorry, 20 hours a day, um, getting maybe about four hours of sleep a night, and then um, working for like three and a half weeks consecutively. I'm just wondering like what the rules are about that and sort of like what the loo days 
uh, are like. Because my company has a policy that if you feel tired and stressed, take a Lude. Um, they don't have like an actual one-for-one on like overtime work or anything like that. So, uh, Andrew, excellent question. And, and yes, there are rules in terms of what we call time free from work. And, and, and it's certainly more than four hours, okay? So it needs to be at least six. Therefore, in this situation, if you find yourself that you're working all these hours, your only recourse really is to, to uh, file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. Uh, and the Ministry of Labor will come in, and if they determine that you know you, you have to work 20 hours a day or whatever it is, They'll they'll uh, put uh, in place practices to prevent that from happening. They'll order your employer not to not to do that. So they can't do that. I mean, if that was a one-off and it's done, it's over. You know, we, we can't go back in time. But if you find yourself having to work that many hours in a day, no, that's crazy. You, you have to have a certain amount of time off. Now, in yeah. terms of loo time, uh, usually what happens with loo time is for any hours over 44 hours a, a week, you get a time and a half. So if you work 48 hours. Uh, then you get four hours a time and a half. That's six hours. Or you can get six hours off at some other time. If they, they don't follow that, if they let you do that, that's fine. If they, they make you take less than that, that's another violation of the Employment Standards Act. And potentially at that point, you can also find a, file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. Uh, but it's about if they let you take it if you want to, that's fine. If they prevent you from doing that, then that's illegal. They have to, take, to give you the equivalent of time and a half over 44 hours a week. Okay, great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, hi, Sandy. Good evening. How are you? Hi, I'm good. And you? Great. What's your concern? <laughs> um, I have a, a, a question about a unionized employee. There was a, a, a story on the Star this morning about somebody that's being sexually harassed and has been off on sick leave for, for um, 15 months and whatnot. And my sister works in that same environment. Um, and, you know, she's been quiet about things that have been going on. But if... Um, uh, my question is, it does, because they're unionized and they have to go through grievances through the union, do they not have access to the same human rights um, complaint system that normal employees would have? So, Sandy, they do have that access, except that the, the same laws apply, except the way to pursue that law, usually it's through the union by way of a grievance. The grievance and the union can deal with the human rights violations, the same uh, law, and the arbitrator can apply the same law as the human rights tribunal, can find out if someone was discriminated against, if it was a sexual harassment, and impose the same remedies as as the human rights tribunal. So yes, the same laws apply. The process may be different. In some situation, a unionized employee can forego the grievance process and go directly to the human rights tribunal. That is fairly rare. The recommendation usually is, uh, is to, to go through the union. So, no, human rights apply. There's no way to contract out of those. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Sandy. We'll take a, a short break. Your phone calls, more of them coming up. Getting right back to your phone calls. we got some open lines you want to talk. You want to ask Leora a question, concerns, uh, throw it at us. Andrew, good evening. Hey, good evening, guys. How are you? Good, man. What is happening with you? Okay, I got a, um, okay, I got a little scenario here. Um, okay, I, I'm a salary employee, and... Um, they have a rotation where uh, every week someone goes on call. And recently I just got thrown on uh, on the rotation. And then uh, the, the rotation, um, you don't get any compensation for it. So in other words, you'll get called uh, all hours of the night or on the weekend, but there's no compensation or no time off for it. And you got to go into work the next day as well. Um, I'm just wondering, what's, what's your opinion on that? 
Now, AJ, while you're on call, you don't get paid. But if you do get called, do you get paid for that? No. You don't get paid. So you got called at 2 a.m., you had to do something, whatever it is, you don't get paid. You don't have to go in, but you have to basically receive the call, answer it, and relay the information. Okay. Now, you need to get paid for that. Now, one more question. Is this something new that they've implemented, or have they always had this rotation? It's uh, they've always had this rotation, but I knew I, I've just been voluntold, let's say, to be in for that rotation. So you haven't had to do it before. No. And, and how long have you worked there? I would say about twenty years. Oh wow. Okay. So so two things about it. Number one, of course, they have to pay. They don't have to pay for the time that you're on call. So let's say you're on call today for uh, eight hours at night, whatever it is. You don't. They don't have to pay for that eight hours. But if they call, if you are required to deal with work stuff, even if you don't have to go in, they have to pay for that time. Not even a question. It's illegal otherwise. So so that's a problem. The second problem is because they've now implemented something new. You've worked for the company for 20 years. Now they've implemented this new arrangement. You have to be on call. You have to be available and deal with something for free then that's a significant change to the terms of employment. You actually don't have to accept that change. You potentially could treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave and get severance. And after 20 years of employment, we're talking significant. That could be potentially as much as two years pay. So Mm -hmm. uh, if all you care about is getting paid for the time that you work, you can go to the Ministry of Labor. If you want to pursue this potentially as a constructive dismissal, you have to give me a call, but as soon as possible. I don't want you to to do this rotation thing for too many times because then you're going to be considered to have accepted it. So you need to give me a call as soon as possible if you're looking at the constructive dismissal so we can talk about how we get you out of there with severance. Now, what if they are, they're asking just for a temporary assistance to help them out? Well, then that's different potentially as long as you're clear that that's – and you know you get this in writing that it's temporary and you're not agreeing to do this permanently, but they still have to pay when you're doing work. Okay, They can't simply decide, oh, I'm not going to pay you for time doing work. That's not something they could do. So very different. Uh, either way, they have to pay. So I'll leave it to you how you want to deal with it. You have options, though. Ministry of oh. Labor, constructive dismissal, those are all options that you have. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. That number, uh, by the way, just in case, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's to get a hold of Lior when the show is over anytime. Got uh, AJ here. Hi, AJ. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Good. What is, uh, what's your concern? Uh, my concern is that I recently found out that uh, my employer changed my job title without my acknowledgement, and okay. I need to know how does that affect my uh, my salary and so forth. So in terms of how it affects your salary, I mean, obviously you'd have to ask them if it impacts your salary. So t- what was the position changed to? I hired as a, as a technician, and they changed it to shipping and receiving. Well, actually, there was an opening in shipping and receiving. Uh, the fellow that worked there left the company, so they moved me there. And just recently, a couple of weeks ago, after asking for a job letter, that's when I noticed that they changed the title as a technician to a shipping and receiving. Now, have they actually changed the job, or is they just slap a title on you but left everything else the same? They slap a title on me, but uh, basically the job is is uh, a variety of different things. Also, also with a technician, I also do shipping, receiving, pick packing, um, support the front office, support the back office, support the sales manager, and so forth. Now, are those things that they added recently, or were you always doing those things? Um, I I have always doing it ever since I moved to that new position. How long has it been? Um, about. Two, two and a half years now. 
Two and a half years. So, so here's the thing. No, because they've not just changed the title, they would have changed the actual position. They added duties, etc. They actually don't have a right to do that necessarily. You could have pursued this as a constructive dismissal. The problem is because this happened two and a half years ago, by now you're considered to have accepted it. So even though you may not be happy about it, I completely understand why you wouldn't be. By, because it's been that long, you've accepted it. And now that you've accepted it, there's really not much that you could do to change it. Usually there would be a short window to try it, maybe a few weeks. Uh, and during that time, we can say, no, I don't want to accept this permanently. By now, you've accepted it. So unfortunately, AJ, it doesn't look like there's anything that you can do about it. Okay, which is fine. But right up to my last review of last year, my, I asked what my position is. And it was as a technician, right? And right. now that now that I recently request a job letter, I found out that I changed it to ship and receiving. So um, I'm not overly interested or concerned about titles. I'm concerned about job duties. So if your job duties have changed again, you may be able to do something about it. If it's the same job duties you've had for the last two and a half years, well, then it's okay. The title in this case, it's not that big a deal. It's really okay. the job duties that matter. Okay. And the uh, and, uh, and the servants, uh, the pay that goes along with that uh, title as well, right? Well, if, if they haven't changed your pay negatively, then you're okay. If they now try to reduce your pay, well, then that's not something they could do. That would definitely be a constructive dismissal, and you have to give me a call at that point. AJ, appreciate your call. We'll take a, a short one more. Your phone call is coming up. And when you got a few moments, check out severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you would be owed if you were uh, let go uh, tomorrow morning, for instance. And the numbers there are absolutely correct. Your phone calls are uh, what we take and what we prioritize. Kelly in Orangeville, good evening. Oh, hi there. Hi, Kelly. Um, I, I have a question. Uh, my husband, he's been working for a company for over 20 years. And he's required once a month to come in um, on a Saturday to... Uh, I guess supervise the employees. Now the employees get paid, but they don't pay him, and they're saying it's because he's in a supervisory or management position. They don't need to. Is that correct? No, I'm assuming Kelly that he's on a salary. He's not an hourly employee. He's a salary, yeah. So what they'll say is, you know, let's say his salary is a thousand bucks a week, whatever it is. So okay. they'll say, well, a thousand dollars a week is your weekly salary, which includes the week, the time you work on the weekend. So because of that, usually, unless they've it's a brand new thing that they've started implementing, which arguably they can't do. But if it's been the, that way all along, it's mm -hmm. simply part of his salary that once a month or part of his arrangement that once a month he works that, that Saturday and, and it's encompassed in his salary. If he was an hourly okay. employee, he can't be made to come into work and not get paid for that time. But uh, as long as uh, he's on a salary and, and that's the way they've done it for a while, it's not illegal. I understand why it makes him unhappy. It would make me unhappy as well. Right. But that may be something you may want to con consider negotiating with them or maybe next time he does a review, maybe negotiate a bit of a salary increase to cover that. But it's not illegal. Okay. Well, thank you very much for clarifying that. Thank Thanks, you, Kelly. Kelly. We appreciate it. Uh, Nicholas, how are you? Yeah, very good. Good evening, everybody. How are you? What's your concern? Hi. I hope that my English uh, is good for the show. I'm sorry. No, you're perfect. You're fine. Uh, I work at a cleaner, Mississauga, uh, seven years for company. And uh, I want to question, it's going to be a long story, but to get to the question, when can company use its surveillance camera, surveillance video footage to fire employee? I... I uh, was taking medication uh, one night working. I take three times a day. I was working 
overnight, I forget it, my water. I take it from staff refrigerator, one bottle of water. They fire yes. me because on video surveillance, I take it, I take it, uh, bottle of water. I'm wondering, is not so much for fire me for the water, but for the surveillance camera in, in the workplace, is this allowed? You know, now it's coming close to Christmas. I am without job, you know? Very I know, difficult. I know. So, so you know, there's two two parts to what I'm about to say to you, Nicholas. First thing is this: it's not illegal to use surveillance and use that surveillance in deciding whether someone should be let go. So, the fact that they use surveillance is not illegal. You know, presumably the surveillance or or, or the camera was in a not in a private place. It wasn't in the bathroom. It was in a place where employees are. So, there's really no real expectation of privacy there. That said, Nicholas, here's the more interesting part of this. If if you took a water, excuse me, for legitimate reasons, this is not a for-cause termination, arguably. Arguably, you are entitled to severance. You probably were terminated in the eyes of the law without cause. And I, I believe you said that, uh, my notes here said you worked for seven years. Cleaner, how old are you, Nicholas? I'm 50. So you probably are looking at right around eight months' pay. So they owe you actually eight months' pay, not because of the surveillance, because of the fact that what you've described is not enough to fire you for cause. Did they give you any severance, Nicholas? No, nothing, nothing. So, so here's the good news. The good news, you're, you are owed severance. You're probably owed as much as eight months' pay. So I want to talk to you because with any luck, we may even be able to resolve this before Christmas so that you can hopefully have a better holiday. I want you to give me a call tomorrow morning, and, and let's talk about it, and I can help you get that severance that you owed, uh, and, and uh, let, let's do that as soon as possible, okay? Thank you very much, and bless, bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. And number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. There you go. It wasn't the, it the water. He was more concerned about the other thing. That often happens when you get these phone calls, right? Yeah, and well, he probably assumed, well, if they fired me, they must know if it's cause or right. not. He just wanted to know about the camera, the surveillance. And this is very common, John. We've talked about this on the show before, and I see this daily. Employers pulling the trigger on a termination for cause well before they should. So, yeah, maybe he should have gotten permission, but ultimately, listen, the guy needs to take medication. He grabs a bottle of water and he drinks it. That's not going to be cause. It's just not going to be, uh, not after seven years. So he's owed severance, and, uh, and and otherwise he's been wrongfully dismissed. Do employers have to tell you if there's surveillance in a workplace, or can they put it in while people are working there? For instance, they didn't have it when the company first started, but they implement surveillance? Yeah, they, they could do that as long as it's in a kind of a, of a public place, right. you know, where, where employees congregate. They, they can't put it in the washroom. They can't necessarily put it in your office, in your private office. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, they can. It's, it's their workplace. There's no real expectation of, of privacy. So employers can do that. I still think employee, employers should tell employees about that. But, but they don't really have to, and they can use whatever is on that camera. Uh, I always tell employers, though, you don't want to replace good management with surveillance. You don't want to rely strictly on surveillance to manage your team, but it is a tool that an employer can use. We'll take a a short break. Your phone calls will get to you here at the Employment Hour twice during your weekend. The weekend shows, of course. Hey, James, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Go ahead. Uh, I have a quick question. Um, I've run into this uh, in previous times. Uh, Hi, Lior. Um, Hi. Hi. I've worked for companies, uh, let's say uh, Shaw Cable was, was an example, and uh, they had a big deal with the CRA because 
uh, we were all wearing Shaw T-shirts and everything. We were paid as contractors, but uh, the Canadian government doesn't see you as a contractor if you only really have one master, so to speak. Right. Um, I'm considering driving for Uber, and I'm wondering how does that work with Uber, considering they pay you as a contractor, but uh, really wouldn't be working for anybody else. Uh, here's the thing. Ultimately, the same thing that you said happened to Chalk Cable could happen here. Ultimately, the law would decide whether you're an employee or an independent contractor, mm. uh, not, not anyone else. And because of that, you could, in fact, uh, be considered to be an employee. Uber does treat their folks as independent contractors, but you may not be. The, the jury's very much out on that. Even if you were not to work for them exclusively, you may be an employee. I could be working at McDonald's part-time and working at Harvey's part-time and still be an employee of both. They treat people as an independent contractor, but I'm, I'm not convinced that you are because they have their own strict rules. Uh, they decide how much money you make. They send you the assignments, etc. So, in fact, you may be considered an, to be an employee. So my best advice, if you're going to do the Uber thing, don't be too, uh, how should I say, generous with the deductions. Don't deduct your home mortgage and your kids' daycare because CRA may one day look at that and disagree with that assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and uh, I know people that are putting in, you know, 60 hours a week doing mm-hmm. this. Sure, me too. And how does that work? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. is there time I, and a half? I, I, <laughs> Yeah. It's my view that these people really are employees, but because they're not treated as employees, right. the Uber's not paying them time and a half. They're not even ensuring that they make minimum wage. They don't pay them vacation and holiday pay and any of that. So right. at some point, someone may challenge that, may challenge Uber, and may the, decide to have them be declared as employees. Until that happens, I expect the Uber's going to keep treating people as independent contractors. Right. It's a whole new model, isn't it? It, it really is. Yes, James. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thank we appreciate that. Got uh, John on the line. Hey, John, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. What's your concern? Well, it's not really a concern. I, I, I guess uh, I'd like to know exactly what is a dependent contractor. A dependent contractor? Yes. Okay. Dependent contractor? Mm-hmm. A, a dependent contractor is someone that uh, is not an employee, but because a dependent contractor gets so much of their work from a company, they're very similar to an employee. That means that uh, if employment or if the position comes to an end, they're going to be owed severance very much like an employee. So let's say that uh, I have three clients, but one of those clients of mine, I get 70% of my work from. I'm a dependent contractor. I depend on them. I'm financially Mm -hmm. dependent. So if that client decides to end the relationship with me, they're going to owe me severance, even though I'm not really an employee. Does that answer the question? Uh, Somewhat. Uh, If they can say that you cannot work for anybody else in the same line of work, is that that the definition of a dependent contractor? Well, that actually may be the definition of an employee. You may be considered an employee at that point. So uh, you may not even be a dependent contractor. There's three categories. An independent contractor is someone that's in business for him or herself, can work wherever he wants, make up his own hours, has a lot of flexibility. An employee is someone that works for a company, usually exclusively for them, under their direction, their offices. A dependent contractor is something in between. You don't, are not necessarily an employee, but you're also not an independent contractor. If you sign something that says you can only work for us, and especially if it's regular hours and you work from their offices, guess what? You're an employee just like anyone else, despite what they may be calling you. Yeah, no, you don't work from, uh, you work from your own home, but yeah. they give you the assignments, and they basically say you can't work for anybody else doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, what kind of hours would you be working? It varies because they come in at all times of the day. Uh, so you could work days, evenings, weekends. Well, you, you may be an employee. At the very worst, you would be a dependent contractor. But that's important because either one of those categories, if at some point they end the relationship with you, you're going to be owed severance, full severance. So, so that's important to remember that. You're, you're not going to be in that situation, what you've described, an independent contractor. So uh, severance really is where the difference is going to be. Tony, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good, Tony. What's your concern? Uh, my concern, I get in touch with your office last month and uh, for an issue in my uh, workplace. So I get all the help and the support uh, more than I expect. Now, last Thursday, I had meeting with the regional manager, and uh, he mentioned some comment, like a really nasty comment that he asked me if I said that about the store manager. Mm-hmm. I said it has nothing to do with me, and I don't know what is it anyway. So I received an email yesterday saying that uh, if anything happened uh, like this uh, again in the store, that would result in suspension or termination. So the question, what's my option now? So you're saying, of course, Tony, that whatever this comment, you never made it. It's not true. Is I never right? heard of it anyway, but I just heard it from the regional manager. And they're saying that you said it. He said that uh, I heard from one of the staff that you said that comment about the store manager because Got it's it. been going on for almost three, four years. And I really am happy with the service I got from your office. And uh, that's what right now, like I feel like they're doing something to me or I don't know what they're trying so, to so do. So here's what you need to do, Tony. You, you need to make it clear in writing. And you may have already said this to him, but in writing, send an email is fine saying, you know, never said this comment. This has nothing to do with me. I don't know what you're talking about. You have to put your position in writing on the record. You don't want to be considered to have accepted it because if they send you a, a letter uh, a warning letter like that, and you don't respond to it, you may be considered to have just accepted that you did it. We don't want that if you, if you never did what they've accused you of doing. Yeah, the letter so you said wanna... that I, I didn't even say like I didn't even say that he mentioned that, but he said if anything happened in the future, like any comment like this will cause a termination or a suspension. But he mentioned well, the, the letter the day... that I didn't say I didn't say anything about this. They, so to make it clear, you didn't, and obviously if you, you didn't do it, you're not going to do it again. You don't have to worry about a termination. From my perspective, as long as you're in writing and, and on the record saying that you didn't do it, that's all I need you to do. Yes. If they try yes. to terminate yes. you, that I, would I be – I think that they're doing something. This is my – like I'm 19 plus in, in the store 19 years. Yes. And I feel like – I don't know, they're trying to let me go for a cause or something or maybe to well, hire somebody for less uh, rate. So that's the reason. Uh, but I get all the help from one of your staff in the office. I'm very happy, honestly. Cool. Well, we, cool. we got your back here. If they do let you go, Tony, give us a call. We'll take care of it. They can't let you go for cause if you didn't do it. That would be a wrongful dismissal. And after 19 years, you better believe they'll owe you a, a significant amount of severance. Tell me a little bit about the severance pay calculator, pal. I've heard of that before. Yeah, uh, I think thanks, so, yeah. John. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's a tool that, that I created. It's, it's been uh, th- just over three years now, believe it or not, John. And uh, the severance calculator does what the name suggests. It tells you, it calculates, it shows you how much money you're owed, how much severance you're owed if you lost your job. It's very, very, very simple to use. You simply go to severancepaycalculator.com, severancepaycalculator.com. If you're more of an app person, you can download the app to iPhone, iPad, Android, uh, and and use it that way. And you input your name, the length of your employment, and the type of job that you have. 
You just pick it from a drop-down menu, and then you find out exactly how much you would be owed if you lost your job. It's going to tell you whether it's three months, six months, 24 months pay, or anything in between. You can even calculate the dollar amount for you. So it's very, very simple to use. It's a great tool. It's, it's a way to inform and educate people. So many people, the reason I created it, John, so many people thought, well, I only get a week's per year of service mm -hmm. or two weeks per right. year of service or something else. And that's all false. It's wrong. It's not a linear connection between uh, length of employment and severance. You have to look at all those factors. So if you lost your job, you need to know if the severance that you've been offered is fair. I promise you it's not. 90% of the cases it's not. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, and now you know what to tell your friends. If they call you and let you know, I lost my job, you tell them, before you do anything, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Also, a connection bottom, uh, button at the bottom of the new to uh, contact you if they want to get any further information as well, right? That's right. You can contact me from there directly if you want, but you don't have to. It's completely anonymous. It's up to you. Happy to talk to everyone. I mean, as, as I did with uh, Tony that just called us, he called my office and, and we, we talked to him. We educate, we inform every day, uh, and we're happy to do that. You drop emails as well, Lior, L-A-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Daniela writes in, she says, I work at a chiropractor office, and a new doctor is about to buy the practice. The doctor I'm working for has said to all the employees that if we don't go work for the new guy, then we resign. Is that correct? Absolutely not. No, Daniela, that's nonsense. Of course you don't resign. You don't resign at all in that situation. So here's how it works. If you're offered a job and you accept the job with the buyer, then you're, you're, you continue working and your seniority carries through. So remember, very important seniority carries through. If you're not offered a job, then that's a termination and, and uh, of course, you get full severance. But if you are offered a job and you don't accept it, you still get severance. It's still a termination. Now, how much severance depends on the reason why you did not accept the offer. If there's a good reason, maybe the job is different, the pay is different, the hour is different, there's a good reason as to why you don't want to accept, then you still get your full severance, okay? All of it based on your age, position, and length of employment. If there's not a good reason as to why you don't want to accept, maybe you just decide, you know what, this is my chance to go back to school or spend more mm -hmm. time with the family or go work for someone else. That's fine. Absolutely. You're still terminated. You still get severance, but you will get less severance and based on a number of factors. So either way, it's not a resignation, Daniela. You don't have to accept a job with the buyer. You may not necessarily get your full severance depending on the reason why you're not accepting. But definitely, definitely, it's not a termination. And, and very important, you give me a call before you make that decision so that we can assess what you're owed. Well, you mentioned the calculator, so I'll run this one by you quick before we uh, leave. Eight months severance, 60 years old salesperson, 15 years of service. What do you think? Eight months yeah, severance. Man. No, you're probably looking at right around 16 yeah. months Big pay. Time. Okay. Uh, so not eight months, double that. And the scenario you've just described is probably extremely common. I get calls like that every day, several times a day. People are offered half or even less than half mm -hmm. of what they're owed. So when I talk about John Severance being inadequate, I'm not saying someone that should have been paid 12 months pay was offered 10. I'm talking someone that should have been offered 12 months pay was offered four or five or six. That's what I'm talking about. So the discrepancies are significant. We're talking about a lot of money. And I don't want people to sign off on a paper giving away tens of thousands of dollars that they're legally owed. Don't let that happen to you. SeverancePayCalculator.com is the one. And outside the show hours, until we meet again, one 821 5900 We're back Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock with another edition of the Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640.